Welcome to The Spotlight. I'm Sophia Hernandez. In today's episode, we are talking to a woman who has more than two decades of experience as a female leader. While her job description has changed throughout the years, her ideas on how to lead an efficient team and how to create a comfortable and inclusive workspace have not wavered. In today's episode, we talk about what it means to be a female in the workspace, as well as what true leadership entails. Today in The Spotlight is Maria Bartich. First of all, good morning. Cheers to you. I should uh, have my coffee mug up and ready for you. Okay, I'm on my third cup. How about you? I am on my, so I start my morning with warm water and lemon, and then I get to my coffee. Because I feel like if I start with my coffee, then I'm a little bit either drowsy or like I'll need a second cup halfway through the day. So yeah. Whatever works. All right, so who is Maria Bartage? So I would start with all of me. So cradle Catholic, Hispanic female, Cuban American, um, a little bit of Italian in there, so I get a little spicy sometimes. Uh, daughter, sister, wife of 25 years, and mother of three terrific children, uh, and Coco, so a dog mom as well. So that's me personally. Professionally, I've the last part of my career, I've been with Cardinal Health for 16 years, and 15 of those years, I kind of swam in the same lane, so under uh, the pharmaceutical distribution umbrella. And it's just been almost a year that I transitioned into the director of sales in the medical segment for Cardinal Health at Home. So uh, professionally, uh, I lead a team under the HME segment and the government segment. And uh, it's, uh, I guess I've planted my flag there for a little bit now and it's a great place to work. And yes, so obviously you've been a leader in the field for quite some time in different roles maybe, and maybe not in the position that you're at right now, but definitely a leadership position. So what did that climb up the ladder kind of look like for you? So yes, definitely in different capacities, um, whether it was my time with Cardinal, and I had the fortune in my career that uh, I've worked for a couple of different Fortune 500 companies. So you kind of um, pick and choose, you know, leadership styles and things that you observe along the way. So um, I would probably say that I'm going to have to go back a little bit further to an early stage in my career with a previous company where I was one of seven women out of 133 employees, and I was a leader there. So um, it was in a distribution setting, so not a ton of women that work in that space. And uh, you've got to have thick skin and you got to kind of uh, set your guardrails and your boundaries uh, pretty quick. And that was pretty early in my career. So a lot to learn there uh, as far as, you know, what it takes to be a leader and how do you get people that maybe don't look like you, don't act like you to follow you. So um, we could go into that a little bit deeper, but that I would probably say that that is one of like the pillars of the foundation of how I lead um, that has impacted me as a leader. And you kind of touched a little bit upon being a female in the workplace. And I think for a lot of us, depending on what we do or what our job kind of looks like, we have struggled at one point or another with being either a female leader, a female in a male dominated workspace, things of that nature. Um, let's talk a little bit, maybe how you first mentioned in that first workplace setting, uh, kind of what that looked like for you and maybe the challenges and struggles you had to learn and face and overcome in that workplace setting. You know, it's funny that you asked that question because I don't know if it's been, just been over the pandemic that we've had more downtime, but there's been a lot of uh, opportunities for self-reflection, you know, and kind of thinking about my career and who I am as a leader and, you know, how I want to continue to grow and what I want to do different and what things have impacted me. And it's funny because my husband would say, like, you're talking about these things more than I've ever heard you talk about. Like, do, do these things not apply to you when we talk about like, you know, equity or, you know, challenges that women have in the workplace? 
and he was right. Like I never talked about it. Like it never stood out to me back then and thought, gosh, I'm one of seven. I never thought that way. I just knew that I had responsibilities to take care of. And I was always super excited about trying to get the most out of people. So if I had to say, what's my secret sauce and what brings me a ton of energy, that would always be my focus. Right. And so it's only in hindsight that I look back and probably during the pandemic, um, because we are in this Zoom world where it's kind of in your face and you jump onto calls and you see, gosh, I am the only girl in this room, <laughs> you know? And so I think that that's why it's kind of, you know, started a little more self-reflection onto, you know, how do you adjust? You know, how do you fit in? When do you speak? You know, um, and so it, it's a very complex, it would take us more than a half an hour to talk about this, but um, I would say that for women leaders out there and those that, that are looking for some advice, um, feedback is super important, not just giving it, but asking for it. And I think that we're in a stage, you know, in society where, you know, a lot of people have good intent and maybe they're a little bit scared about how do you give feedback to a female leader or to a female employee without hurting them, their feelings or thinking that they're going to get emotional or, you know, feeling like, you know, so they kind of buffer it a little bit. So I, I'm kind of on the flip side that I'm always hungry for feedback, right? Like I think feedback is a gift, right? And so if somebody says, oh, you're doing great. I'm like, okay, but that doesn't help me a ton. So if I had to do something a little bit different, where would you tell me to focus? And so I think that we need to own that because if not, you may not get the feedback that you need to actually grow in skill sets and, you know, opportunities that, that might be in front of you. And that kind of brings me to my next question. You know, I think a lot of times, again, whether whether it hinders us or propels us forward, it's always, you know, the stereotypes I think that surround females and our personalities and our behavior, um, whether that we're emotional or that we can't take on the big heavy duty work. And I think the problem is that we find as women is how can we be assertive without being classified as a, you know what, you know, and, 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 and having that stigma stick with us throughout our, our entire career. You know, there are a couple of landmines there, right? Um, and I think that what I would suggest is to really hone in on who you are, what's important to you, and always treat everybody with respect, right? You know, being able to articulate what's important and having a point of view and being heard, um, it, it's definitely a dance, right? And so you don't need to over-index and scream it out. You just need to be confident in what you're doing. Now, there's a, a lot of back-end work there, right? So. You've got to do your homework. You got to, you know, have the knowledge. You, you, you know, you have to collaborate. But you know, I would say just have some confidence in in what it is that that maybe you're a subject matter expert in, and where where your point of view is, and and be thoughtful in how you interject. And to me, it's more about weaving in, right? So you don't have to be the center of the room, right? But you do need to have a space in it. And by the way, a voice. And how about sometimes, you know. Let, let's take my idea and run with it. So it, it's it's a weave. I like that. I think that kind of even goes back to teamwork. And I um, was thinking now when you were, you were speaking about that, I have a friend who she has always, I mean, now where she's at in her career is pretty much top dog. You know, it, she is in that leadership position and at a very young age, and she's climbed the ladder very quickly. And she always attributes her success to connections that she's had with the people who she's wanted to become 
and being connected with them, you know, and it, maybe they weren't necessarily in a mentor capacity that they would talk all the time or give advice, but she would always kind of keep them in the loop and foster those connections. Do you kind of agree with that? What's kind of your thoughts on like female mentorship or, or fostering connections like that in the worst workspace with other females? Definitely key to success is networking. And it's not that just the external network, it's the internal network. And I love, you know, one of the things that you mentioned is that this individual would would connect with that person that she wanted to be, right? And that role that she wanted to take. And so one of the things that I always tell my team is act as if, you know, if you want to be a manager, then then act the role, play the role. If you want to be a director, if you want to be a VP, if you want to be the CEO, it doesn't matter what it is that you want to be. Act as if. And so I think that that's, that's great advice. And, you know, so having those connections and being able to have what we call truth tellers, right? Somebody who is a mentor, who's a sponsor, somebody who will, you know, and, and I'm going to stop there because, you know, a lot of times we talk about mentoring and it's typically like, so a, a director might mentor a manager or, you know, the mentee might be the rep and then the mentor might be a VP or so on and so forth. Reverse mentoring is fantastic. So, because we can learn from anybody. So there is that like, yes, I want to be in this role, but in order to keep a pulse of your surroundings, reverse mentoring is, is actually something that I highly recommend as well. And that kind of bridges us into the next one. Um, you know, what do you think if you had to give it a definition or, or description for the word, what do you think makes a good leader? Just generally speaking. I'm going to say what I think has led me to success, you know, and there are many different leaders that where their skill sets, their strengths are completely different than mine that are very effective. So it's not like there's two things. I could tell you what the two things that have worked for me are. And so when I think about leadership and the responsibility of it, you know, I think that, you know, what has worked for me is that I'm very action driven. And so I have a, like a bias towards results. And so I know that there's a responsibility, whether it's, you know, fiduciary responsibility or goals that we have to attain, right? And how am I going to get my team there, right? And then the flip side of that. So like my one-two punch is in creating culture, right? And the creating the culture is really important to me because it, it initially it may seem like, oh, Maria's hitting all this soft stuff. You know, it's like, when are we going to get to like the meat and potatoes of it? But it's that foundation that I lay of creating a, like a safe space for my team to take risks, to be empowered, to be able to make mistakes and know that I'm going to say, okay, why did we do it this way? Walk me through it. Perfect. What did we learn from it? Okay. Let's not do that again. Okay. Now, how, now how are we going to approach it? You know? And so all of that takes time. It's not a switch, but I would say that those two things, you know, being action oriented or uh, bias for results and then developing, developing people and, and creating a culture has probably been my two key components, the secret sauce, I guess, for my success. And you kind of brought up something, um, it was on the tip of my tongue there that I, you know, I think a lot of times too, when we tend to be in leadership positions, again, it's almost that you, the having to remember the team aspect to it. Like, it's not just you, the individual in your lane and in your responsibilities. And again, you're um, in that higher up space where you, you're reporting to the people above you, but there's still the people below you that you're responsible for um, and trying to be in tune with that. Cause I think at times, well, again, we're humans, we're not all perfect as leaders. We can tend to pull ourselves away from the responsibility that we have to those below us. What's kind of something that you keep in mind to kind of, again, keep that culture, keep those relationships and make sure that not only are you succeeding and you doing, you're doing your part, but the team is also benefiting from your leadership. 
So again, I think that over the years in my career, if I look back and I said, what kind of, of a leader was I, you know, 10 years ago or 15 years ago and who am I today? I think that when you are a young and green leader, um, there's a lot of stress and responsibility that you feel on being a knower, right? Because you think that that's how you're going to be recognized and that's how you're going to succeed. And it's your responsibility to know everything. And it, all, it takes you some time. But once you get to a place where you're comfortable saying, I'm not great at that, but by the way, I know who is. And you know how do you pull resources and you become, instead of a knower or a learner, um, which is where the phase that I think that I am now, number one, it makes it a lot more comfortable, a lot less stressful, right? Because you go from like, I have to know everything, be Johnny on the spot to like, hey, I'm gonna learn about this and I'm gonna find new ways to achieve and I'm gonna find new people, new talent in which I could develop or that know the skill that is actually not you know something that I'm great at, right? And so I think that what I would say to, to everybody is, you know, lead from where you sit. Um, there's a difference between being a leader and being a manager. And so people don't like to be managed, you know, don't, I mean, I don't like to be managed, right? It's, it's like, you know, you got to do this, I have to stay on top of you. But how do you prevent that from happening, you know, as, as the employee, right, is by being proactive, you know, by, by leading from your seat, by being the leader, right? And then it's kind of like you go to your manager or your leader, you know, and they're like, okay, this is what we needed to do. By the way, I took a right turn here. And these are three extra things that, that I looked at that might be beneficial. And I was like, wow, you know, that person can manage, self-manage, right? So you could lead from wherever you sit in whatever capability. Um, so I always like to empower, like empowering people for me is probably the biggest thing. I love that. I had my first boss, uh, that was something he emphasized because I'm very stubborn and it's kind of the same thing. I like to think that I know it all, but we don't, you know, and like, that's okay. And he, I forget what it was. I probably either messed up on something or, you know, again, didn't have a project, a product that was a hundred percent. And he's like, why didn't you ask, ask me a question? Like, you obviously didn't know, like, why did you feel like you couldn't ask? And I was like, you know what? He's so right. And like, it's totally true. Like the less, least amount of stress, it doesn't hurt the end product at the end of the day because you've asked all the questions you need to ask. Like, it's okay not to know. So I love that. Uh, be, a knower, uh, be a learner, not a knower. Um, tell me, because in your career, you've probably had, again, while you're in the leadership position now, you've probably had bosses, both female and male. What is the best piece of advice that you have gotten from either, from a male boss and from a female boss? Gosh, I, I, and I know that, know that's that a loaded I've one. actually so. <laughs> thought about that. Um, I, I don't think that I've, thought about that gender specific. Um, I think that I've had some great advice um, because I am action oriented to let things simmer, right? And that goes back to the knower or the learner is that when you're action oriented, um, if something comes at you, you like you wanna resolve it immediately, but typically if you allow your team a little bit of time and you just sit back an extra minute, 10 minutes, hour, day, whatever that is and let things simmer, you give them the opportunity to, to develop, you know, courage to resolve and to try new things. And so I think that if I could take that question and go into like, that's probably some of the best advice. Um, some of the worst advice that I've actually received is like, you know, make sure that you take 
you know, all the important things or the things that are really critical and you handle those things. And so when I think about a leader and I think like, gosh, you know, they're going to do the things that are important, that are new or that are critical, like what does that leave for the team? Right. And so I would like more about like the co-creation and collaboration with the team and saying, hey, this is probably outside of your zone. You're going to feel uncomfortable, but let's jump into the deep end of the pool together and let's both, you know, learn something here. So. Okay, I'm gonna give you like a, a setting, ride with me here for a second. So imagine it is, let's say either late 20s, early 30s, woman in the workplace, and she has just been assigned a team to um, take on this new project. She's at the helm of it, uh, pretty big deal. How that, that female that we're talking about, best advice for her to take command of the team and lead the helm on this as a leader? I would probably say is that one of the most critical things, number one, is communicating what the task is, right? So what's what are the responsibilities? What do we need to achieve? And so sometimes, because there's so much coming at us, you know, north, south, east, west, you know, that you might know the critical information, the context of, of what the responsibilities are, but sometimes we don't pass that information along. And now you have other folks that have responsibilities to help you achieve, but they don't have all the pieces. It's kind of like it was a puzzle of a hundred pieces, but you only gave them 80. They got to figure everything else out on their own. So I would say um, communicating like what is critical and then figuring out like who fits where, right? So the dynamics of there's a piece of like, I like to, you know, be able to pass along things that people like to do because I know that that's going to give them energy. And then there's the candid conversations of like, this is what we have to do. Like, is work always fun? No, but is it important? Yes. And so sometimes, so getting that mix and that tempo of a little bit of like, hey, this is like something this person's really good at. So let's make sure that we give them some of that because that's going to give them energy and kind of spreading that love around. I, I would say that. And I would also say that, you know, um, setting the expectations of what good looks like and taking a little bit of time on the front end, right? Of like, okay, if we do this, this is what good looks like. Not just that this is what the work or what we have to accomplish, but this is what good looks like. I think that that's probably pretty critical. And if there was like a third piece to it would be to create that connection between what you're doing and why it matters, right? Because people want validation in what they do, right? Is what I'm doing important? Am I important? So just telling you know your team what the goal is, is part one, that's the easy part, right? But for their work to be meaningful work, because it's going to get hard and you need them to do more of it, right? They need to know how that connects. What, what I'm doing today, how does this matter to, to the end goal, right? And so connecting that path via communication, obviously, is probably one of the most critical things. I love that one. And um, something that I hear at least a lot with people, either my age, my demographic, is always that struggle with, again, maybe not assertiveness, but how to be the best advocate for yourself, whether it be that you're, you know, kind of freshly new into a new job, yet you feel like you either want a pay raise or you want to just try your hand at something else. So, you know, what your actual goal is or your actual passion is within this company, or that people have had this tenure in a company and are still struggling. Like, do I want something more? Do I not? And how do I advocate for it? When again, I'm doing so good in this role and position, how do you think, or what do you think are the best ways to go about being your best advocate? So I'm going to say that the best thing that you could do for yourself, and I get this a lot because I have interviewed people and I've had several different teams that I've led and they'll say, well, 
you know, how can I position myself to, to be the prime candidate for that other role, right? And so my answer, sometimes they don't like it, is, well, be the best candidate in the role that you're sitting in today. <laughs> okay, so like, it, you know, if, if you're just average in your current role, unless it's just, it doesn't match your strengths and that's completely different. And, you know, you should be in finance and you're sitting in sales or something like that. But if it is within the same environment, the best way that you can advocate for yourself is just being a superstar in what you're doing. Like, you know, sometimes there's a little bit of this, I've got to, I've got to get to that next step. Right. And so, so that, that would be my, my number one, you know, is, is just, just do a great job at, at what you're doing and then always bring in your manager, whoever you report to, to those conversations in your career path, because nobody likes a side swipe. And, you know, it, it's always better when you have somebody who's going to go alongside you and say, hey, you know, this person has reported to me for three years or five years or whatever it is. And, you know, this is their strengths and this is why they're such a valuable player to the team and this is what they can do. And so th that always works when, when, when people try to like navigate their career and not bring in the person that they report to, it doesn't typically end up very well. That was actually going to be my next question. Like I even have close friends of mine that again, I know, I know they are successful. I know they're crushing it. I know they're killing it, but there's the hesitancy to bring it to that next step of having the conversation with the higher up to be like, Hey, listen, you know, I've been here for this X amount of time. I've been doing this X amount of work. You know, you, I've been complimented on these past things that I've done. Can I get a shot at this? And there's always that hesitancy, I think, to, to do that. You know, like they, they almost think that the work is going to speak for itself and not themselves validating the work and, and pushing mm -hmm. it along. Kind of how to, na how to navigate that situation. So I could definitely identify with that. And that for sure has happened to me in my career where, you know, I'm knocking it out of the park. I'm a workhorse. I'm focusing on results, results, results. And I'm like, why aren't people tapping me on the shoulder? And like, why, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, so you can't just sit there and like do nothing and expect that somebody's going to pull you out. And, you know, so the, the conversations need to start with the manager and saying, Hey, you know, I'd like a stretch goal, or how do you feel about the work that I'm currently doing right and what areas would you like me to to focus on or you know what areas can we work on together to give me a little bit more exposure right and so and then talk about well what does the next year two three years look like and have open dialogue this should not be uh, contentious you know it should be something that you know if you're doing a good job and they're a good leader, right? That th this should be a, a good conversation and they should want to continue to develop you for the purpose of the organization and to continue to keep good talent, so. I want you to think back to um, your younger self when you first, let, let's say that first job role that you were in. What is the best piece of advice that you wish you could have give, given yourself back then? Oh, don't take myself so seriously. Like laugh at myself, be able to say, I'm not good at that, you know, be, being comfortable with not being perfect is something that took me a long time. Sounds crazy. I can't even believe I said that out loud, but yeah, you know, it's, it's progress, not perfection. And just, just not carrying that weight of trying to be perfect. Right. And trying to know everything. Um, that, that, that's probably what I tell my younger self, like loosen up a little bit. Now I laugh a ton. It's important. Yeah. You got to laugh with others. You got to laugh at yourself. It's, it's just part of what I do now. Yeah, I love that. And if, again, being that you have been in this industry for so long, um, and again, in that leadership position, what does leadership mean to you? I think that I, I think that leadership is so important 
Um, and I take it as such a big responsibility because I know for a fact that in creating a safe, productive environment that's built out of respect, um, that I might be creating a situation for another individual that might be better than their situation at home. And that that comes with a huge responsibility to me. And I know that to be true. And I know that I've had situations where people have said to me, you know, you know, I've transitioned into this new role and because we're working here, I'm working here, you know, my home life is better. And so you just never know how you're going to impact people and how, and by, you know, helping them bring out the best in themselves and creating this environment that's, you know, healthy, that that might be the best thing in all, their entire day. So I take it with great responsibility. I think leaders have a, a tremendous role in our community. I never even thought to think of it like that, but it's kind of almost like when you're younger and you go to school, you know, and how teachers have an impact on students like that. So for sure. Um, and now as an adult, and again, 16 years in an industry, uh, what is maybe not the best piece of advice, but the words that you're living by currently um, that have kind of been sticking with you now through this past year? Oh, I'm a, like a quote person. So like when I, when you say what words stick to me, me like, too, that's two why bring it oh, to me. Okay. Here's one. <laughs> Fear is a liar. That's it. Fear is a liar. So there are so many things that I've either second guessed myself or I think, can I really do that? Or should I really do that? And you think of all the what ifs, fear is a liar. Um, and then I would probably say, you know, I never lose. I either win or learn are probably my two go-tos to, to keep myself in check, you know, and, and I, I think that I will tell you something about this fear is a liar situation. Uh, and it came up, you know, when I was trying to decide, you know, I said 15 years, you know, swimming in the same lane in the sim same uh, segment. Why would I go out and do something completely different, have to learn something completely new and, and expose myself like that? And so all these things kept coming to me. But one of the things that I had read was, you know, men will apply for roles when they're only like 75 or 80% prepared for the role. And women will apply when they're like 125% prepared. Think about that. And I was like, oh yeah, that, that's me. Like, why is that? Why do we hold ourselves back, right? And so um, again, that, that's a whole other show and a whole other conversation, but there's a lot there to unpack as to why we do that and why we wait longer. And you know, I think that that's something that women, we need to help each other. We need to have these conversations and, and um, be able to, to lean in a little bit and take the risk and think about like fear is a liar, right? Because that's usually like the number one, you know, roadblock that's in your face. Maria, I think we're gonna need like a part two so that we could do like all that other jazz, bring in those stats, statistics, let's put them out there. Oh yeah, girl, I don't have all the answers, but we're working through it here. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Maria, thank you so much for joining us here on the spotlight. And if you are interested, I will, well, every Thursday, there is a new episode of The Spotlight that you can listen to on any streaming platform, Spotify, Apple Music, whatever you listen to, it will be there every Thursday. Maria, thank you. Thank you. Have a great day.